What's up and uh, welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, spend some time praying with them, and then hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the saint that God desires you to be. Let's be honest, life is messy. My life, your life, our church is really, really messy at times. And sometimes it's not always going to be that easy, fill-in-the-blank, go-to Catholic answer to the problems that we face in our walk toward eternity. We want to know what is God's will. And so where do we go? So hopefully this podcast is a place where we can accompany each other in discerning what is the will of God. What is Jesus inviting us to do in our walk toward becoming saints? Here's how the show goes. If you're a first-time listener, you hit me up with three to five questions dealing with everything from Catholic morality to spirituality, apologetics, church teaching, history, evangelization, catechesis, relationships, struggles, whatever. You hit me up with it, and uh, and I'll spend some time praying with it, and then I'll get back to you on the show. You can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com, and after I respond, I want you to respond back by hitting me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com to let me know, was it helpful? Give me your, your feedback, comment, critique, uh, because I can guarantee you this one thing is I'm not perfect, and I'm never going to try, like say it, well, I'm always going to try to be, but I'm never going to say I am until I'm a saint in heaven with God. And so I can potentially give you bad advice. If that is the case, feel free to reject it, throw it in the trash. But if my advice is helpful to you, but it's hard, I want to invite you to lean into Jesus. So he can give you the grace to try to live out what it is that I'm trying to invite you to do in your walk with the Lord. Also, please rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, That way, other people can find out about the gift of the show. Today's topic. So what are we going to talk about today? On today's show, we're going to talk about discernment with regards to in vitro fertilization. We're going to also talk about discernment with regard to state of life vocation, specifically for our brothers and sisters who experience deep-seated same-sex homosexual tendencies, Um, and also what is Mary's role in our relationship with Jesus the Christ. Before we get jumping into today's topics, we're going to talk about a glory story. So my glory story comes from uh, some time that I had this week in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. So let me just give you some feedback, some background on, on what's happening in my, in my church parish at Our Lady of the Holy Rosary. So the church is growing, and it's so cool. I love being here. These people are on fire for Jesus. It's just significantly growing, and people are getting plugged into our small group discipleship Bible studies, and they're growing their relationship with each other, and most importantly, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. But also, um, because we are, are growing in our numbers, we are able to serve more people. And, and so we are transforming one of our buildings on campus into what's called the Full of Grace Cafe. The Full of Grace Cafe is going to be a coffee shop for free. And the cafe area is going to be a counseling office for um, collaborating with a bunch of different ministries in the diocese. It's going to be a family life office to help people who struggle with infertility and assist on ovaries and uh, endometriosis, stuff like that. A food pantry, a dining hall, after school, tutoring center, a salon, a kitchen. Man, we got so much stuff. Uh, We have like a, a fireplace Bible study area, a pool table to hang out, a diaper bank. Uh, and the list goes on. It's going to be this awesome gift to the, the people in our community. Uh, and so, anyways, with all that being said, I was in the Adoration Chapel the other day praying, and normally I have, like, 
an idea of what I'm going to spend time with for that time with Jesus. But I kind of perceived the Lord just uh, invite me to go sit before his presence in the Eucharist. And so I was sitting there and I just didn't know where he was drawing me. Like, if, Lord, are you drawing me to just adore you right now? Are you drawing me to worship you? Are you drawing me to just like meditate on something? And and I even said to him, I said, Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I know I'm in your presence, and I know you're God, and I know that by me being in your presence, there's no way I can spend time with you without you and like without you doing something. Your grace is operative right now. You're doing things in my heart and in my soul that I can't even see. I guess the, that would be blessed are the meek. The meek don't know what the heck is going on. They just go with the Lord and trust that the Lord is doing something. So I was there with the Lord in adoration and prayer, and I was opening myself up to his grace, and I just said, all right, Lord, I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know how to pray, so I'm just going to sit here and look at you as you look at me, kind of like an old couple, like sipping on some soup. I was looking at Jesus, <laughs> sipping on my soup. He was looking at me and uh, sipping on his soup, and it was great. And then I, I got tired, like an old couple gets tired, and I, I ain't going to lie. I started dozing off. But I don't feel too bad about it because St. Therese used to sleep in the Adoration Chapel all the time. And one time God told her, I like it when you sleep because you're my daughter and I'm your father. And what father doesn't want to see his daughter, you know, his child sleeping. And so, and quite honestly, you know, whenever we're knocked out, God can do the best work because we get out the way. And so I'm not going to lie, I kind of dozed off a little bit. But I stayed in his presence and I came back too. And as I was just in his presence, y'all, God's grace is so good. All of a sudden, this, this friend of mine came to my mind. She's a counselor and uh, and she has just a gift of working with people who've been through traumatic things in their life. And so she came to my mind and I was like, okay, Lord, I haven't thought about her in a while. So I started praying for her. And, and then I just, I said, I need to reach out to her for some reason. And uh, so left, saw her daughter later that day. Her daughter reminded me to call her. So I hit her up. And whenever her and I had a phone conversation, she was saying, I was like, hey, look, I don't know if you know what's going on in my parish, but I have this stuff happening with the Fuller Grace Cafe. You know, we have counseling available. And, uh, and she was saying, Father, I was just praying about using my, you know, my counseling as a gift to, to someone in need. And so that would be great. And I was thinking, man, Lord, you're so good. Because I didn't go there to discern anything with regard to work for the Lord. But I just went there to go pray. And he hooked me up with that. So oh, God is so good, y'all. He just, man, he gives us what we don't even know we need. And so my community is going to benefit from my time in prayer. So like, yeah, if you're a priest and listening and uh, you haven't prayed today, go pray. Because if you don't pray, your people will suffer. So yeah, that's one thing. Another thing, just with regards to the glory story time, um, man, so I was also praying last night and, oh, oh man, the church is so messy. It's always been messy. I get it. I know it's been messy. I know Jesus walked with these apostles who were really messy and broken and perfect. I know I'm messy. And like I deal with my mess every week when I go to confession. So, but man, ah, oh, just all the stuff on the news, it's, it's really heartbreaking. And so I was praying last night and I just had this insight that I want to share. It could be from the Lord, maybe not. Uh, but during times whenever the church is going through a lot of corruption, and it's really like really the mess is right there in our face. During these times, a lot of false prophets and a lot of false mystics are going to come to the surface. And they're going to come to the surface, and a lot of people are going to grasp after them to give them false hope. Just be aware, just because somebody works miracles does not mean that they are intentional disciples of Jesus Christ. Sometimes people that work these miracles are working the miracles in union with some other spirits. Okay, so it's not actual miracles, right? That's not a miracle if the devil inspires it. They, could, they can work their, their stuff, though, but it won't be a miracle. Um, so anyways, 
Yeah, just be aware. Just be aware of false prophets and mystics that try that might try to come give us this false sense of security. Cling to the Eucharist. Cling to the Gospels. Um, cling to the sacraments. Pray and fast. And listen to the words of Padre Pio. He says, pray, hope, don't worry. Right? God is still God. We are Christians not because of the, the Pope or the Cardinals or bishops or religious sisters or brothers or priests or our other people in the parish, lady in the parish, we are intentional disciples of Jesus because of Jesus. And he invites us to walk with each other who are all really messy, right? He did it, so he's inviting us to still accompany each other because if we give up on each other, then we might be the bridge that God wanted to use for the other person to get closer to him and to repent and have a conversion. So let's stay rooted in authentic relationships with this really broken, messy community of believers and let's walk with each other to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And be aware of all the false prophets and mystics who are about to start popping up left and right. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, if I'm wrong, it's because I'm not It's because I'm not infallible. And I could be wrong often. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, that's that glory story. All right. Before we get into today's topics, I have some feedback from some previous episodes this First feedback comes from Taylor, uh, i.e. Tay-Tay. I'm going to call you Tay-Tay. Yeah. What's up, Tay-Tay? So thank you for all you have taught on your podcast. I want to share my own glory story with you that I believe happened as a direct result from listening to your podcast. I'm excited. All right. So for some brief history, I've been a lifelong practicing Catholic. I'm practicing at it too, Taylor. Uh, I'm not that good, but I'm still practicing at it as well. And my husband is not active in any faith, although he was baptized into a Christian church as a child. He's never been interested in joining the Catholic Church. On the contrary, he's been extremely vocal about disliking Catholicism and has stated multiple times that he will never become Catholic. He will never, ever, ever get together. No, I'm joking. So he said he would never become Catholic. He has occasionally expressed interest in finding a relationship with the Lord. So I'd always prayed that this relationship would form and that he would start going to a church. I knew the Catholic church was out of the question for him. So I never prayed that he would become Catholic at the time. I thought that doing so would be in vain. Instead, I prayed he would find a non-denominational church that he felt at home in and would trigger his interest in Christianity again. About a month ago, I started listening to your podcast. At one point, you talked about a woman who prayed for her husband to become Catholic, and it wasn't until she had passed away that her husband actually converted and became a Catholic priest. It was from that story that I realized that by failing to pray for my husband to become specifically a Catholic and not just a non-denominational Christian, that I was not only doubting my husband, but I was doubting God. The same day I heard your story, I prayed for the first time for my husband to become a Catholic. The second time I prayed for my husband to become a Catholic, I got a call from him only 30 minutes after my prayer. He told me he wants to join the Catholic Church. Whoop, whoop. What an amazing testimony to completely trusting God and his plan and being bold in prayer. Yeah, we got to be bold and specific in prayer, Tay-Tay. His RCIA classes start in September. Thank you for teaching me to not hold back in prayer. Yeah, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. How's it go? It's that Frozen song. Let it go. I don't I don't know. I don't even know. Nope, not today. Uh, bye, Felicia. You've been a part of leading my husband to the church. Thank you. 
That's from Taylor. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for sharing that glory story. Praise God for his grace. It was his grace. Hosea chapter 11, he drew your husband with bands of love. Ah, praise God. And you an instrument that the Lord used. Praise Jesus. All right. Our next feedback comes from Melissa. She writes this. I have listened to every podcast you put out thus far. Ah, thank you, Melissa. Hope you enjoy. It has become an essential part of my weekly journey to work. I want to thank you sincerely for your heartfelt, researched answers to some very tough questions. Yeah, look, Melissa, I ain't going to lie. Some of these questions do get tough, including today's show. You're so relatable. What I love is that you are sometimes goofy, really, and sincere. I better be. And all the same show. It makes me feel okay about the way I practice my vocation as a doctor, which is very serious work, but which sometimes try to bring comic relief into. Number one, please, can you send me the words of the prayer you prayed in the last podcast on August 14th, my late dad's birthday? We can do that. Uh, and it really resonated with me. It reminded me of the litany of humility. Yeah, the litany of humility. If you have never prayed that, oh, and there's a really good version of the litany of humility, which is found in Cardinal Sarah's book, uh, the power of silence. Oh, it is so difficult to pray, but it's so good. And also, Adria Sign has a song called I Shall Not Want. And I shall not want. No, I shall not want. Boom, boom. When I taste your goodness, I shall not one. That's not how it goes. It goes way better than that. You know, my, my last church I was at when I, before I became a pastor, I was with Father Randy Cueva. So if any of y'all go to Father Randy's church, let him hear this podcast because that's how he sounds when he sings. <laughs> jokes, jokes today. All right. With that being said, let's get jumped into today's show. All right. Our first question, it comes from Veronica. Veronica, that's a great name. Veronica, that's... Um, and the station of the cross. Yeah, so great name, Veronica. So she wrote this. It's a question about Mary. There's something about Mary. My question is from my husband. He is a convert. He grew up Methodist. Ah, my dad's Methodist. Shout out to the Methodist. I call my daddy St. Aaron the Methodist. However, he struggles with Mary and does not understand or believe in marrying apparitions. He recently asked me why Jesus would need to or even want to send Mary to relay messages why not himself or not at all? He says, if Jesus already made the ultimate sacrifice and we know the story and his truth, then why send anyone at all after that? He feels like it discredits what he, Jesus, already accomplished. I tried to explain that Mary tries to draw us closer to her son, Jesus. She comes to remind us and he allows this. I'm not sure if this was a good response. My husband was not satisfied with that answer, so I'm hoping you could provide more help and information. God bless you in your vocation. Well, thank you, Veronica. Pray for me in my vocation. Pray for me to be a saint and to have a conversion of heart every day because I uh, I still need I need grace. I'm I need that grace. Need that grace. All right. So yeah, great question. So yeah, number one, first of all, Veronica, you did a great job. That's a good response to your husband. But this thing about the Bible. Uh, in the Bible, Jesus Christ gave us the great command, right? To to go out. And to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he entrusted this work of going out to all of his, his disciples, to all of his followers. And, and so that, that commission, the great commission to go out and make disciples, is it, it's not just for those of us who are members of the body of Christ on this side of heaven, but it's for all the members of the body of Christ. 
right? Including those who are already in heaven, they're still they're still called by God to to draw people to encounter Jesus and to worship Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, and become saints who are in union with Jesus Christ in this life and for all eternity. And so, because Mary would have gone out and made disciples of all nations whenever she walked the earth, why would she stop in heaven? Um, Jesus Christ teaches us in the Bible. He says, "Nothing will separate you from my love, not even death." And so, if in this side of heaven, she, she tried to draw people to Jesus. Why would she stop now? Um, why is Mary important for us? Well, I'll tell you, Jesus Christ chose to come to us through Mary. And if we're disciples of Jesus, that means we are called to imitate Jesus, to imitate Jesus Christ in all things. And so if he came to us through Mary, then what, what better way to go back to him than through Mary as well? Because we're just imitating the master. That's how he came to us. That's how we go to him. Do we have to, um, do we have to spend time Thinking about apparitions, no, you don't have to. They're just a gift. They're lanyard. They're something that, that is a gift for some people, right? And so God wants all of us to come to him, and so he will do anything and everything to get us. God sent angels. He sent an angel to get to Joseph. He sent an angel to Mary, the angel Gabriel. He sent angels all throughout salvation history, and he still sends angels. He sent angels in the Acts of the Apostles, right? So Jesus Christ died. He resurrected, went to heaven. He still sent angels to, to do work with the apostles, to get them out of prison, and to help them to fulfill the mission that Christ gave them to make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ does still come too. I mean, he went to, to Saul when Saul was persecuting the Christians. He went to St. Faustina. So Jesus Christ also appears. But because Mary is a member of the body of Jesus Christ, she still appears in and through him, right? He still allows her to do that as an active member of his body to draw people to him. So Mary can only help us. Um, but remember, God, he wants to use us. Like We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice in the world today. Uh, whenever he worked his first miracle, it was at Mary's intercession at the wedding in Cana. And, uh, and it was also through the work of the men, the people, the waiters, the servants. Uh, Jesus Christ, he, he told them to fill those empty jugs with water. Mary told them, do whatever he says, do. So she always points us to Jesus. They went to Jesus. He said, fill the jugs with water. They filled him with the water to the brim, and then he transformed the water into wine. Pretty cool, right? But he didn't do that miracle until they participated with him, until they did their part. And likewise, he typically, his norm, his normative way of drawing us to be saints and our walk toward eternity is through each other, through the body of Christ. And once you're part of the body of Christ, if you remain in union with that body, you will always be a member of that body, still participating in the ministry that flows from that body. So that's why Mary still works today. That's why she still draws people to Jesus, because... Uh, we're called to do the same thing. So she is the witness. She is the first disciple. And, uh, and so we're just walking with our mama toward her son, Jesus. And so, yeah, go out, make disciples, uh, Veronica, and invite your husband to do the same thing. And Jesus Christ will use him and you, and y'all will be a gift to many, many, many people. So what do y'all think? Was that helpful? Do you have any additional advice for Veronica, for her husband, uh, write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it? 
and make sense of it, a Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion. Now for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure Studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note. We can play it on a future show. And please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the gift of the show. All right, our next question comes from Will. Uh, This question is about finding love as a Catholic who experiences same-sex attraction. All right. Hi, Father Josh. Hi, Will. Uh, A few episodes ago, you were answering a question about the priesthood and how love should decide all vocations. As a young adult who suffers from same-sex attraction, God asked people like me to practice celibacy in the single life. I feel no call to the priesthood, and though I would love to have a family, that door is closed to me as well. The catechism does not recognize a single life as a vocation, and I did not choose my predicament. If love should decide all vocations, how am I supposed to find mine? Will, phenomenal question. What a great question. Um, You are not the only person who has this on his heart, and so you are going to help so many people today. So thank you for being docile to the movements of the Holy Spirit whenever you wrote this question. So first of all, we need to just make a quick clarification there, what does the word vocation mean? Vocation, vocari, Latin means calling, right? One's calling. And so there are like three types of vocations. Um, there's the normative vocation for all of us. All of our vocation, every single one of us, is to become a saint. So you do have a vocation as a single person, and it's to be a saint. That is all of our vocation. We're all called to be holy. We're all called to abide in intimacy with God now and in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. All right, what's another vocation? Another vocation is a vocation to the present moment. So what kind of work are you doing? What kind of ministry are you involved in? Um, your vocation moment to be to choose, to choose to do the will of God right here and right now, to choose to open that door, to choose to smile at the person, to choose to talk about Jesus, to choose to not give in to sin. That's your vocation to the present moment, all right? And then there's a third type of vocation, which a lot of people confuse with the only vocation, but it's not. It's just it's a means to the ultimate end. All right, the state of life vocation. A state of life vocation is marriage, is uh, holy orders, uh, priesthood, episcopacy, the papacy, right? Um, and is religious life, to be a bride of Christ, to be a religious brother, to be a monk, right? Our friar. So those are state of life vocations. Okay, so the vocation to the present moment and a state of life vocation are means to an end. The end is to be a saint in heaven with God worshiping God, adoring God in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. 
So that's the end. These are means. Not every person is going to experience the means of a state of life vocation to get to the end. These vocations, state of life vocations, are meant to be icons. Icons point us to the idol. What I found in my ministry is a lot of times when we are not experiencing, are not living in a state of life vocation, we make the icon an idol, and we focus on that idol all day long. We dwell on it. It becomes our God. We become miserable. We become depressed. We become disheartened. Right? It is a means to the end. It's a normative means, but it is not a necessary means. Right? There are other ways to get to the ends. Right? So it's the normative way that God calls us to, to our walk toward eternity, but it is not for everybody. Right? Some people, because of certain privations, or what have you, may not enter into a state of life vocation. And that's fine. You're still called to be a saint. There are canonized saints who did not have a state of life vocation, right, of, of marriage or of priesthood or of religious life. Dr. Um, Giuseppe Muscati, he's a saint, his name's Saint Giuseppe, right? He was a doctor. He was a layman. He wasn't married, didn't have kids. He wasn't a religious brother. He wasn't a priest. He was a doctor. And guess what? He is a Saint, all right, Saint uh, Jacinta and Saint Francesco, right? These little kids, they are canonized saints, and they weren't religious, they weren't priests, they weren't nuns. Uh, they're, they're, and there's so many that we can go down the line and list these people who are canonized saints who made it to that end vocation of being a saint in heaven with God without the necessary means of a state of life vocation. So uh, don't focus so much on state of life vocation, but focus more on the fact that God is calling you in the present moment to make a gift of yourself to the person in front of you. He's calling you in the present moment to make a gift of yourself to him in prayer. And that's how you're going to become a saint. Focus on God. Focus on love of neighbor. And I guarantee you, and, and also cultivate a healthy community. Cultivate authentic friendships with other brothers and sisters who can hold you accountable to, to being holy. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and then see where God takes you from, from there. So, I hope that was helpful for you, but maybe that, yeah, just allow that love of God to draw you to be a saint and to draw you to the present moment to serve people here and now. Here and now, I've waited my life for you, you, ooh, uh, uh. <laughs> That was terrible. That was really, really terrible. Whitney, is that you? I don't know. Yeah, if I ever become Pope, Peter II, uh, <laughs> it's looking that way. Uh, yeah, if I become Pope Peter II, the first saint I'm going to canonize is Whitney Houston. Don't judge me. Don't hate. Don't even hate on her. Don't hate on Saint Whitney, man. Y'all know, y'all know, y'all jammed out to her music, and she drew y'all closer to God. So, yeah. And it, when she died, her funeral, you saw how many people like went to church that day, man. What? So, anyways, uh, yeah. Shout out to Saint Whitney. I think she no. Oh no, that's Luther Vandross. My bad. Here and now is not Whitney Houston. Wow, that's Luther. My bad, Luther. My bad. Yeah, he's, he's over there like giving me the side eye right now. Don't throw me no shade, Luther. My bad. Here, yeah, here and now is definitely Luther Vandross. Yep, my bad. Yep, see, I told you I'm imperfect. I'm not going to get it all right all the time. So shout out to Luther. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that, that's, that wraps up that, that question. Let's move on to our final question. It's about in vitro fertilization. This is from Maddie. Maddie writes this. If someone has the deep desire to bear and raise kids, but isn't able to naturally, 
Why is an in vitro fertilization wrong if God was the one who placed that desire in that person's heart? Yeah, so great question, Maddie. So like our desires, God wants us to pay attention to our desires. And so, um, yeah, um, it's the natural vocation, right? Marriage is, is, is the normative, natural, natural state of life vocation. It's every person is called in some way, shape, or form to be a mother and to be a father. Um, but not everyone, though, is going to be a natural mother and father by biological birth, right? Uh, through the two becoming one flesh, right? Some people are going to be spiritual mother and fathers, and some people are going to be adopted mother and fathers and, and foster parents. And all these, these ways of expressing and manifesting maternity and paternity are very real and they're authentic. And so uh, I think we should first pay attention to that. As far as like discerning God's will, God would never, ever invite us, invite us to do something that, that goes against the church's teachings, right? God is our father, the church is our mother. So whenever the church, Holy Mother Church, teaches us something, we can't just, if we don't like it, say, well, I'm going to go to God the Father and ask him to change that because he gave, he gave that teaching to the church. The church is the bride. The church is received from the bridegroom. And, and so we, we must surrender to, okay, Lord, like clearly there's something in me that isn't discerning properly right now. Um, so why is in vitro fertilization um, not a good thing? So IVF, what, what it, it can do is it, it, it reduces children to a commodity that we pay for, as opposed to being a gift that comes from the marital union of the two becoming one flesh, in both the unity of bonding aspect, but also in the procreative end of marriage. We can't separate the unitive from the procreative. Right? This is what happens whenever we try to separate it with contraception or, or with you know, pulling out or whatever. Right? We try to separate the procreative end from the marital embrace as opposed to trusting God to play his role. The same thing happens in a different way whenever we try to separate the unitive. We want procreation, but we don't do it through the act of the two becoming one flesh. Right? We can't change what the purpose of the gift of the sexual act is in the sacrament of marriage. IVF, in vitro fertilization, it, it involves the creation also of like a number of human embryos. So the child's brothers and sisters are often destroyed in a lab uh, or they're aborted. So many children are killed in the process of the one child or the two children are sometimes triplets or whatever it might be being brought about, being brought to full term. So the end of a baby is, is, is a great end, but the means, the, the mean end doesn't justify the means. Okay. So if the means involves killing others or freezing them in a Petri dish somewhere out there, uh, there's a great episode of law and order. I forgot which one it is. We watched it in seminary, but it's about this. And like these babies were, their souls are humans, right? They have souls and they're frozen. And so it's, it's not a good thing, right? Because one of the commandments is what? That thou, thou shalt not murder. And murder happens oftentimes of these innocent, these innocent embryos. So in vitro is, is not a good thing. But what about if you've done in vitro or if you know someone's done in vitro and they've given birth to children? Well, those children are still gifts like God still played a role in them coming about in their life here, and they're still called to be saints, as are the parents who used in vitro. Um, so the kids should never be punished because the parents chose to, to bring about that life through in vitro fertilization. But at the same time, it's just to let you know, like, that isn't the best thing. And so, yeah, it is something for the parent to say, like, if I 
if, if kids were killed in the process of my children coming about, I do need to go repent in the confessional. But at the same time, I'm not going to like in any way, shape or form, not believe that God is not the one who brought about that life of my child. Right. Still. And God blessed my child with life. God imparted the soul into my child still. So the child is still called to be a saint in his or her walk toward eternity. I know a few of my friends who were born through IVF um, and, and they're awesome and they're all holy and they're all walking toward eternity. Um, and, and their parents also have realized over time, like, yeah, that wasn't the, the best way to go about it. But like we're, we're grateful to God for still working about this awesome miracle of new life. So, yeah, for parents who've done in vitro, I would encourage you, if you are currently doing it, to please stop. Um, if you've done it, to simply go to confession. And if you have kids that came about from it, um, then then praise God for those kids. Praise God for the, the gifts that he brought about. But um, it's still, it's it's not the best way to, to go about it, if that, if that makes sense. Um, what else do I want to say about this? There are more healthier ways, too. I'm really, I really want to promote NAPRO technology right now. Uh, NAPRO technology is a gift to so many people. Um, IVF is, is painful too. It's, the success rate is pretty low. NAPRO technology is way healthier and it's, it's much more um, holier as well and better. And so that, and, and the success rates are, are there as well. So uh, Google that. Google NAPRO technology. Google, Google the Creighton Fertility Care Method of, of charting uh, and find out what's going on. Is there endometriosis happening? Do we need to have a surgery there? Um, are there um, cysts on the ovaries? Are there um, is there an irregularity in the cycle where we might need a chart to figure out with Creighton what's the best thing? I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen people miracles happen through Napro, like people who cannot conceive, and they started adopting. Years later, through Napro, were able to conceive, and so um, be open to that. Be open to that as well. So yeah. Anyways. I hope that was helpful, Maddie, to you and to anyone else listening. Don't ever stress over past, past things that, that weren't the best decisions to make. Just immerse yourself in God's mercy through the sacraments. God will give you an outpouring of his grace, and he will draw you and your kids and your family toward, toward heaven. And, uh, and yeah, and don't always forget, um, don't forget that we are all called in some way, shape, or form to be a mother and a father. Mother and a father, all of us have that natural desire, right, placed within us to manifest for other people, to experience the Father's blessing in our walk toward eternity. So hopefully that was helpful, and that pretty much brings us to today's show. So regardless of your circumstances, here are some things I think everyone can take away from today's questions. Universal point, we'll start off universal point from in vitro is this. Uh, if, you've, if you've done in vitro and, and your children's life came from it, then praise God. Like, thank God right now. Um, uh, if you haven't done it, don't do it. Um, but also don't forget, um, if you are doing it right now, I would encourage you to stop. And then also, um, if you've never gone to confession to repent, um, specifically, you know, because of the, the, the lives that, um, gosh, the lives that potentially could have been destroyed in the process, um, repent and receive God's mercy. He is so merciful. He is so merciful. There's nothing like he won't turn you away. He will only give you grace and love and mercy. So, Immerse yourself in his mercy and, and encourage others to, to find out about NAPRO technology and the Creighton Fertility Care Method. Also, universal point drawn from Jesus inviting Mary to participate in his work is this. We are all called to go out and make disciples. That's the commission. Great commission applies to all of us. So just as he uses Mary to draw people to him, he is expecting us to do it as well. 
And when it comes to vocation crisis, remember state of life vocations are a means to the end. The end is heaven. The end is Jesus. The end is being a saint in union with Jesus Christ for all eternity. So if you have not um, participated in a state of life vocation, don't make an idol out of it. Recognize it's an icon that just might not be an icon for you. Uh, but be a saint by being holy in the present moment, getting baptized, and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, don't forget, rate us, review us on iTunes, help other people find out about the gift of the show. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, right now, man, there's just so much mess going on in your church that you founded, Lord. And so we just ask that you send your Holy Spirit to renew us, renew me, Lord, reform my heart, transform me, Help me to become a, a better living image of, of your son, Jesus Christ, and renew the entire body of Christ, Lord. Renew the entire body of Christ. Make us saints, Lord. Give us the grace to, to imitate you in our walk toward eternity, to be rooted in a relationship with you, and to not give up on the church that you founded because of the spirit of Judas that is still afflicting your church. Like, Lord, Judas was always there. All right, And we're not going to focus on Judas. We're going to focus on you. And by us focusing on you, we're going to be able to follow you in our walk toward eternity and do your will which is to sanctify, to, to sanctify this world, Lord, to transform this world. Give us the grace to just always be, be rooted in you, Lord, in your mercy and the trust that you are bringing about something new and beautiful in this broken, imperfect, messy church that is at the same time holy, holy, one holy Catholic and apostolic, Lord. So bless us. Bless us all. Give us the grace to be saints. Ooh, Lord, give us the grace to desire, to desire to be saints. <laughs> Lord, yeah, this inspires to desire this, to never settle for mediocrity, but to just desire to be radical saints for love of you, for love of you, for love of you. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shout out to Adria Sai for that song, For Love of You. It's a great song. Uh, deuces. Deuces.